looked over your notes and you got terrible handwriting. You know, man, it's, uh, it's the best way for me to remember what we're going to talk about. I've typed and I just don't have the retention in my brain when I type versus when I write. And I, I'm actually thinking it's going to be a pretty good topic because, you know, RPE, I've heard you talk about that before, but I don't know if I quite understand it. Okay. So do you know what it stands for? I don't. What is RPE? So RPE is rate of perceived exertion. So how hard the lifter thinks that last set was is a good way to put it. You hear me ask you, on a scale one to 10, how hard was that? Yes. Now I know what you're talking about. Okay. It's like, uh, I'd be like, oh, it's a seven out of 10. Yeah. And you're, what I like about RPE versus using like, I'll often use like, today we're going to do, you know, force it to six at 86% of your one, one rep max. Well, 86% of 100 for six reps is about a 10 out of 10 RPE. It's extremely intense. So with that, you're risking, you're at a high risk of injury. Whereas if you use RPE, now your, your percentage, depending on how you feel that day, like if I have a, a student come in who's been in class, been sitting there testing and just um, stressed out, not coming in at their best, that one rep max percentage could be plus or minus 18%. So using RPE will help to reduce risk of injury and will assure that they're going to work at the proper intensity for that day. Does that make sense? Gotcha. No, it does. Now, two different athletes or exercises are going to give me two different answers. So let's say I have this power lifter who is uh, got a training age of you know several years and just knows his sport and his or her sport. Um, this person could do a you know set of three on deadlift and by the last rep they're like they're bleeding out of their nose and about to vomit right. And I'm like, okay, well, how hard was that? And they'll be like, oh, that was like a six out of 10. I'm like, okay. And then somebody who's new to exercise might, you know, do a three rep set and just rep it out like nothing and tell me it's 10 out of 10. So it's subjective. And so as a coach, I have to watch and see their body language to see how hard they're working, right? Because I can make those corrections. I look at the bar speed. If the bar is, I can see that it's a grinder. I know that's probably somewhere between a nine and a half out of 10 where somebody who's brand new to exercise, uh, you know, that's probably more like a three, four, you know, very, very, very light work. So we can increase that a little. Does that make sense? It does. Next time we're exercising, I'm going to, um, I'm probably going to take like 135 on the bench and just go super slow. Well, I'll know you're BSing because I have your notes. (laughs) (laughs) You'd be like, come on, man. What are you You're going to do that? We can do time under tension. That's a whole different topic. So I can, I can, we can take 135 <laughs> so and make it wreck you. And just add some chains to it or something. Then, man, that'd be fun. Go down to Home Depot. That's crazy. What is the, uh, the top word that you use in this? Keen, I can't even, I'm not going to even act like I can pronounce Kinesiophobia? it. Kinesiophobia. Kinesiophobia. Say it again. The fear of movement. Okay. The fear of movement. What is that? Well, uh, just fear of being, you know, being active for various reasons. It could be 
uh, fear of injury. You may have been injured in the past. Like take somebody who says that squats are bad for my knees. Well, no. So they develop a fear of the, the squat because historically they've done it and they've hurt themselves. Or maybe it's somebody who has a family history of, of heart disease and like, well, I don't want to have a heart attack. I'm afraid to exercise. So, and because of these fears, you know, uh, according to the CDC, only 24.2% of adults over the age of 18 re- reach the uh, physical activity recommendations, which as a country is killing us, right? Right. So, so the, well, I have bad knees. I shouldn't do this might qualify into that. Like how much of that is actually, um, a fear like this, this phobia you're talking about, or, uh, how much of it is just being cautious? Like, could they be the same thing? I I think both, you know, I think if you have pain in a movement, um, maybe you should seek like help from a clinician, like a physical therapist, or maybe if, uh, you're, there's something about your squat, we're talking about the squat, right? that we can change that could possibly take the load off of the knees. So pain isn't always, doesn't always mean something is wrong. Okay. Pain, uh, can be like a, like a warning sign or it could be something as simple as, you know, your stance for your squat is too narrow for your hips. So what if we widen your stance and give you a little bit of toe out, tracking your knees over your toes, you still feel your knees? No. Oh, well that was an easy fix. And that's where, like, there's a boundary between me and a clinician. Um, last year, I took a class uh, called Barbell Rehab, and this really, uh, it allowed me to reach closer towards a clinician, and it allows a clinician to reach closer towards me, kind of bridging the gap. So now, if I have somebody and, you know, sticking, just sticking with the squat for, you know, because we're there, if we have somebody who says they have pain when they squat, We'll, we'll modify it somehow. We will play with the stance, okay? And if we can squat and now we've, you know, fixed that pain, then we move on. If we squat and we still have pain, we, we change, maybe we change the, the load, right? And if that doesn't fix it, then we, you know, keep trickling back to, and we go to like the air squat. If we can't squat the depth without pain, then we decrease the range of motion and just keep walking it back. And if I can't, as a strength coach, get somebody to squat without pain, then it's time for me to refer out to a clinician. Refer them. Makes sense. Yeah. And I know we had talked about this last year. Um, Funny enough, for anyone listening, I was having some just rogue knee pain in my left knee. Could not figure it out. Um, turns out it was the type of shoe I'm wearing. I'll leave the brand nameless, but it's a type of shoe I was wearing, uh, that when I stopped wearing that shoe, my knee pain magically went away. So that's how I traced it to the, the shoe type. But I remember we were having, um, you know, different conversations about that. And, you know, it was causing me to, to be probably more cautious in what I was doing. Cause I was worried about you know, having some problem with my knee, but let's, let's talk about that. What, what do you remember? Cause that was probably last summer that I was having the issue. Well, because whenever we were training, you were already in pain, right? I didn't want to load it at all. And we kind of just backed off and I recommended you go to PT because it was, 
something kind of came up, right? It wasn't like a, uh, how do I say? It wasn't something that's been going on for years and years. This is something that kind of came up and it was, we we're talking about inflammation of the joint. And that's where like, I have to draw the line, right? Because I am not a clinician. Uh, if we have inflammation or potential, you know, damage, which a lot of times with, with knee pain, the, the, if there is something going on, it's above or below the knee a lot of times, but when it's not like, but I can't take that risk, right? Something goes wrong. Right. And I, I told you, go ahead and seek a PT and you did. And you, because we're remote, like I don't have somebody there I can refer you to. I have a PT here that I often send my clients to. She does an awesome job. Uh, because I didn't know them, you sent me their information and I saw CSCS. And this was after I went to Barbell Rehab. And I was like, that's the person you want to go see. Uh, not that, you know, any other PT, any other doctor or PT isn't qualified, but seeing that this is somebody that went up, you know, above and beyond and took on a certification they didn't have to tells me that, you know, they're, they're passionate about what they do without knowing them. And then two, they're not just getting you back to activities that they live in. They're getting you back to the barbell. Getting you back to physical activity. What is what is C what is CSCS for anyone listening? It's a certified. What is that certification? Yeah, a certified yep. strength and conditioning specialist. Um, I sat for that exam after I got my bachelor's degree, for for the same reason that that PT did to set myself apart because I I could have just been a personal trainer with a bachelor's degree, but when I got my bachelor's degree, I wanted a certificate or a certification. Uh, that set me apart from everybody else and not everybody goes after their CSCS. Now in my private, like personal training studio, it's not necessarily something I need, but again, it's just, it's great knowledge. And it's a great way. I do have a kid's class where I work with young athletes, but most of my clients are like seniors, but they still do agility stuff. Right. But I felt like for me, it was a challenge and I wanted to set myself apart. And that, that experience going to that PT was interesting because they were checking range of motion just for my entire body. And uh, I have learned that my range of motion sucks. Like I, I actually noticed it um, just actually a few weeks ago is when I turn my head to the left, I have a pretty decent range of motion turning to the right is significantly less. And I could not tell why, um, but going to the PT was really interesting. And I don't know if I probably need to start working on that through something uh, with what we're training. But uh, I I thought that was interesting and very good for questions. Um, obviously, they were there in person, which is something you and I do not do. So for anyone listening, Brandon and I train remotely. Um, we use like Facebook, uh, what is that thing called? Facebook portal. Uh, just out in my garage, and that's that's how we're training. So it's a little bit different, but um, really good question and answer about the kind of like what we were looking at, what was hurting, you know, trying. I had a suspicion that it was the shoe at the time, and that is something that they did um, did say, hey, maybe you know, don't wear that specific shoe for a little bit and see how this this changes for you, and it did go away. So. Yeah, I mean, your, your shoes are your foundation. You know, a few months ago, uh, I ran a 51.4 mile ultra. And I started out a pair of running shoes that I had been using for a long time. And I started getting gnarly lower leg pain. 
uh, in the calf. Like I was two-stepping down the stairs during my train up. The first mile was absolutely brutal. And, you know, I was going to PT like every week. I see my chiropractor every week. And finally, I went to a running shoe store and they put me in a, a foot-shaped running shoe. And it was night and day. Man, I have like zero pain now. And it, it subsided pretty quickly, but the cramped running shoes that were not meant for me caused me a lot of pain. Yep. That was one thing I learned from you as well. Um, you know, running a 5K last year and a 10K this year is like having a, uh, a shoe that fits can make all the difference. So if anyone listening really struggles with running, um, you may start with the shoe because that's our really our point of contact with the ground. So it, uh, it makes a world of difference. Um, so I can attest to that. How many miles did you run recently? Wasn't like 50 miles? 51.4 miles. 40 miles that was on the beach. Grief. So that's uh, running on sand probably makes it a really interesting. That's probably a really interesting place to run just for 40 some miles. So the first, I'd say about half marathon took you to like the primary aid station where our drop bags were. From there, we hit the beach 20 miles down, or excuse me, 10 miles down, 10 miles back and hit the that main aid station again and went again. First time down and back, we were at low tide. No big deal, right? The, the sand's like nice and packed. Which by the way, the winner of that race didn't even see high tide. Like he came smoking in and like faster than some of the people ran the, the 50K, which is an option for that run. Um, second time out, dude, I was like tripping over the sand because I couldn't pick up my legs on the way back. You know, it was it was brutal. Like I was so annoyed. I took my headphones off because it's just noise in my head at this point. You know, I've been running for like nine hours. Um, but we gutted it out and got it done. It was like 10 hours and 23 minutes of running. So that was a, that was a good time. It's wild. Yeah, no, I thought that was interesting, not to get us back on track, but that the knee pain that I was having, uh, having that associated with the type of shoe that I was wearing, which yeah. I no longer wear because that will, uh, I obviously learned my lesson. My body was just not made for that type of shoe or it causes just causes something. I know a lot of folks probably wear those, that type of shoe with no problem, but uh, not a lot of support for a big guy like me. So, um, but no, that was, the PT was interesting. Uh, range of motion I know was interesting, but um, I know that we, when I was having the knee trouble, we did avoid some of the, you know, some of the lifting and types of exercise to avoid maybe further injury. But once I went to the PT and it was like, Hey, I don't think there's actually, um, you know, a significant issue here. I was kind of cleared to train and then we slowly ramped up is what I recall. Um, but still never, never gave it time off because that's one thing I think you're going to probably want to talk about. Oh yeah, man. That's again, that's more barbell rehab. I think historically, you know, we used, we overused rice, you know, we rest, ice, compress, elevate, basically do nothing. And we've, you know, it's kind of been debunked to where it's actually better to load. I mean, when I say load, I mean like going back to RPE, like a 3-4. And like really low intensity and really low volume just to help uh, desensitize the damaged tissue. Again, like I can't manipulate, I can't do anything that's going to cause pain. Like that's not my lane. 
but I work closely. Like I said, I have a PT here that I work with. Uh, and whenever she is seeing one of my clients, she'll kind of give me some left and right limits and we will load in a, in a manner that doesn't cause pain. And that is super important for recovery. So what, what does that mean, Brandon, for anyone listening? What does that mean to still do the exercises um, in a way that doesn't cause harm? Why is it important to continue to put load on it, in your opinion? To increase blood flow. To, to desensitize the area. As long as you're not causing further pain. Does that make sense? So if you're not causing further pain, it can actually... Um, it can actually help the person with the issue, yes, is what you're saying. Definitely. Okay. Definitely. Um, so as far as, you know, form and programming, we want, like I said, low volume, which means low reps, like six reps, three sets of six reps at like a, you know, somewhere around a four RPE. So that means very light. So let's say you're doing 100 pound dumbbells on your chest press before. Well, now we might be working with like 35s. Because that's the load, we kind of trickle down to where we are at a place where it doesn't hurt. We'll do three sets of six, right? And we'll do that a couple of times a week. Okay? And then as we start to desensitize the area, we'll slowly, like you said earlier with your with loading that knee, we'll slowly build the weight back up over time, still with that low volume, low intensity, until we're able to load, you know, like over time, until we're able to load to about 8 out of 10 without pain. Right? And that's with, your, you know, you working with your, your strength coach and your PT along the way to make sure that we're not causing damage and we're protecting that, that flared out, that inflamed tissue. For sure. I remember we specifically laid off of it until I saw that PT um, and he was in person to look at it and kind of give me the all clear for that. Yeah. And that, like I said, that's what makes your situation a little bit different is that, um, it was angry. Like it was angry when we weren't loading it. And it was, if it's angry walking around, it's, it's, it's kind of a threshold for me to be like, go see PT, man. Like you're out of my lane right now. I can't, I can't load that. You know, one, I'm not a PT and two, you're 300 miles away or probably 500. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. The last thing I need is yeah. somebody like doing a squat and falling over while I'm looking up at the TV. Like, oh, uh, what? Do I, <laughs> that, that's do probably I that's probably a fear. <laughs> I know we've joked about that. It's probably a fear of yours. Is like all of a sudden I have a problem. But I know we're we're very good about making sure that uh, you know the safety measures are in place. That if I were to have a you know a knee blowout or something like yeah. that, um, even faint or something that you know, my, my safety bars are there and they're set appropriately like bench press. I know you, you're pretty regular about having me check to make sure that, uh, if I did have to roll it off, yeah, like say I overload, um, it's not going to crush me or, you know, stop breathing or anything. Yeah, the like spot that. Arms is so, a good spot. Then I know, yep. you know, also I know your address, which is also smart, right? If I need to call, call for help, I can get somebody there anyway. You know where it is for sure. It gets a little sketchy, man. We, we, we play it pretty yeah. Something else I want to cover. Uh, did you did you read the notes? I'm looking yeah. at them. Yep. So, do you read the part about the coffee cup of pain? 
Yeah, what what is the coffee cup of pain? I want to do I want to do an exercise. Where do y'all do you have a pen and paper? Uh let me get one. Okay. I want you to draw a coffee mug or a cup or just some kind of reservoir. Okay. And in that cup, I want you to write out all of the things that cause you stress, like right now in life. She to think about, you know, pain isn't something always it's caused by something physical that's happened to you. It can be some things in your cup. And when it overflows, we become sensitive to potential pain or injury. How full is your cup? Um, I'm about halfway through it. Do you, how many you want me to write down? Everything on your on your heart, man. We don't have, you don't have to share it, but I just want to see how full your cup is. How how at risk are you for for being in pain? This is a lot. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot. There's a there's a lot in my cup. Yeah. Anyone who knows me personally knows that there's a. Yeah, I think you know, we all have stuff. Around. There's all sorts of factors. So I'm just going to share yeah. just some examples that I have just here in this workbook. You know, uh, some stress that we can have in our cup is you know job dissatisfaction. Stress, anxiety, depression, uh, false police of pain, fear of movement, lack of physical activity, lack of social support, poor sleep or nutrition, and you know joint changes and things like that. So when your cup becomes so full that it starts to overflow, we can start to have physical pain. So how do we, how do we fix that? You want to build a bigger cup. Right? How do you build a bigger cup? By adding you know positive things in your life. Or, or taking a, that pen you have and marking out everything that you can control. Maybe it's uh, you're not meeting the physical activity requirement. Maybe scratch that off. Like, I can fix that. you know. Or maybe I can work on my nutrition and scratch that off. And slowly you get more room in your cup and more, more room uh, to feel better, right? And then you can add to your cup by making it bigger by, you know, adding, you know, increased social activity, you know, as a single dad, like, I've been there before. I had no social life, man. It was tough. You know, so forcing ways in there to grow your cup and being more resilient will help to make more space in your cup and re reduce your risk of pain. I like it. Build a bigger mug. That's right. Positive input. You know, you mentioned cross off the things that you don't have control over that you do have control over or that you do have right that you do have control over um it's interesting you know there's a lot of things that you you don't think you have control over but you do yeah and this is going to sound ridiculous but you know we talk about time like i don't have time to exercise i don't have time to get my physical activity and i have an appointment i can't go do this um we all know i'm a little bit a little bit crazy but yesterday I had to get, I had, I had to take my truck to the shop and I knew it was going to be an hour and a half. I dropped my sh truck off, but I came in my running gear. I was like, this shop is on my running route that I run all the time. It's just a different start point. So I dropped my truck yeah. off, checked in, took off on a run. I got my running, got my miles in, you know, so there is time to work it in. I could have just walked around, you know, it's like a strip mall. I could have like went to Walmart and goofed off and, you know, burned two hours of my time. 
or I can be productive. I think your comment about our stresses and the amount of stress that we have in our cup can cause physical pain is is an interesting thing to know because I totally see that in myself. Pins up, man. Is if it well, and then it's like it can be it can actually cause more problems where that cup is overflowing of where, you know, you have all this stress and something else, maybe an outside factor happens, then your cup is overflowing and then you're doing worse with other things like you talked about nutrition um you know talked about like the stresses of maybe being a single parent um it can cause a downhill effect where you could just check out too um because i've seen that in myself before sometimes when things get get overwhelming but um you know and then and then your workouts aren't as good you know and and it just has this negative downhill slide so i like the idea of building a bigger cup it's filled with positive things, man. Love it, man. Yeah, it was good stuff, man. All right, everyone, thank you for listening. Uh, again, you're listening to Impact with Brandon. Brandon's a good buddy of mine. Uh, he's also my trainer. Uh, we are going to talk more about things like this on the podcast, whether it be, you know, building that bigger cup, which I love, and, uh, you know, the, how that can have a response to pain. And uh, we just appreciate you all listening. So we'll catch you next week.